You're listening to Wild and Holy Radio. Honest conversations, love notes, and strategies to grow a business while building a life grounded in deep integrity. I'm Megan Hale, integrity expert, bringing mindset and energetic wisdom to help you show up braver, go all in, and expand into your fullest expression. Let's do this. Hello, friends, and welcome back to Wild and Holy Radio, the place to be for mindset and energetic wisdom for growing a business while building a life grounded in deep integrity. I am your host, Megan Hale, and if you're new around here, welcome. This podcast blends the inner knowing with the outer action to become who we're here to be. So we're just getting started in season two, which means this podcast is back after a 15-month-long hiatus. And... For all of you out there in the role of creating consistent content, I hope this is a huge permission slip for you that you are allowed to take a break. (laughs) In fact, I will be taking another two weeks off in a few months when we relocate from San Antonio to Omaha. And I mention this because I think it's so easy to get caught up in the virtual world of batching content and letting all our techie tools hit publish for us almost as if business just is supposed to carry on as usual, like regardless of life. And you guys, I'm here to tell you that it's just not the case. At least it's not the case for me. I have spent many years trying to compartmentalize myself. And, you know, the deeper I get into this parenthood journey and raising a family, I am just not as interested in that anymore. And I also think that that's built off of some old patriarchal paradigm that we're just supposed to be like one sliver of a person instead of all of who we are. So I'm busting through that for myself. You know, I will never forget um, going to hear Brene Brown speak at her first stop on her Rising Strong tour, which P.S., have you guys heard that she's coming out with a Netflix special? I'm so excited. Go Brene. But about an hour before her two-day stop ended, I remember her standing on stage asking all of us that as we wrap up for the day to really respect her need to go and be with her children and family, that she was tired of pretending she didn't have other priorities than her work. And I respected her immensely for that. So permission is huge, y'all. It is so, so, so huge. So as we're getting things kicked off here and I'm finding my footing, (laughs) I'm totally noticing the way I'm coping with like shaking off all the rustiness over here. And I'm just kind of curious, like, do you ever take the time to observe yourself and just like how interesting a creature you are? (laughs) I find it so fascinating And, and I always have. I think that's why I went into psychology because it's like, there's these old patterns that come up when we move into like what we're feeling afraid of. And there's these old stories that we play out when we're feeling vulnerable. I think that there's ways we tend to overcomplicate things or perfect them before we're really ready to take action, which is just another way of procrastinating that sometimes excruciating feeling of putting ourselves out there in the world. Right. And I know these so well, like if you've been around since the enoughness revolution days, you know, on that podcast, we dove all the way into the five P's that prevent enoughness, right? Which are pleasing, proving, perfecting, performing, and putting off. And what do you know, y'all? 
it seems like all of these are showing up to visit me lately. And I've like literally had to laugh because this is life. And also just because you know something does not mean that you are immune to it, right? So I wanted to start the season off talking about a topic I've never discussed, but has also been so deeply healing for me as an entrepreneur and even as a person for that matter. And that topic is money. And in this episode, we're going to talk about how and why to put money first in your business, but also how to unhook from it because it was here that things really started to take off for me. So to say money has been a loaded topic for me would be an understatement for real. And where I want to start is kind of where Wild and Holy Radio all began, which is really exploring the religious messages I was taught to believe, and I'm sure several of us were taught to believe, and how I found my way to my own truth, because money is really no different. I think that we can all agree, like religion and spirituality, they all have some interesting things to say about money. You know, on one hand, I was taught that to desire money was sinful, greedy even, yet in my household, it was something that was frequently discussed. It was something that there was never enough of, and this created a lot of tension between my parents at times, which, which led to a lot of confusion. So in my mind, if there was more money, there wouldn't be as much tension. But instead of talking about ways to make more, there was really only talk about how to spend less, okay? And there were also the messages around caring more about impact than wealth. And from a political perspective, the wealthy were seen as someone you didn't really want to be, okay? But yet their lifestyle was something that was coveted and sought after, okay? So these are all very confusing messages things that deeply contradict each other. And as I've grown up, there's been a lot to sort through, especially in regards to what it means to be responsible with money, trustworthy with it, and even creating a sense of safety around it being okay to want, desire, make, and steward, okay? Especially in regards to who that would make me become. So, there's actually been this really deep-seated fear that I've carried for many years that success would take me away from who I am, turning me into someone who was greedy, selfish, superficial, even arrogant. And if that was the fear, like you know good and well that there would be sub, like subconscious ways that I would self-sabotage myself from it, right? And that's exactly where I spent the first two years of my business, wanting success, but being afraid of having it all because I was so twisted up about money and who could blame me for that, right? Growing up, I was taught never talk about money, but clearly it was something that was okay to fight over. <laughs> you know, in my world, money only led to two things, which were anger and disappointment. And who would want that? right? Money was never modeled to me in a way that felt good. And if anything, it was something to be avoided. And if it couldn't be avoided, be prepared for a shame, blame, and shutting down type of conversation. And to me, it was kind of like, no thanks. So on one hand, I was really determined to create a healthier relationship with money than what I grew up with. But on the other hand, 
I had no clue where to start. I had no mentors to look toward except for my grandmother, who was really great at saving and investing. But when it came to enjoying money, like enjoying the fruits of her labor, not at all. So about five years ago, I started on my quest to reshape the way I related to money. But I want to add a little tidbit here because I think it's important, especially with this being a spiritual podcast. So as you all know, maybe you don't know, but I'll tell you the story anyway. I lost a best friend when I was 23 and it was tragic and it was sudden. It was the first time I'd ever experienced grief. And at the time I was in my last year of college and I had planned to study abroad uh, my final semester. And Ashley died in March of that year. And I really questioned if I was supposed to go um, and study abroad, but it was something that we had in common. And it just felt like it was the thing that I needed to do in order to honor her and honor this passion that we both had. And it was actually this loss that was the catalyst to my spiritual journey. And not knowing how I felt about God and having a very strange relationship with that concept already, you know, losing her was kind of the straw that broke the camel's back. I was incredibly angry, furious even, and I just couldn't understand how a supposedly all merciful God could let something like this happen, right? So as I journeyed to Europe, seeing some of the most beautiful things that I had ever seen, I'll never forget walking into St. Patrick's Cathedral in Ireland. The walls were gold inlaid with like rubies, emeralds, sapphires, like this place glistened. The floor was marble, the glass stained with brilliant colors as the sun shone through. And I remember walking down the center aisle, taking this all in, and I can still feel the just disgust rise in my throat with the amount of wealth this cathedral held. You know, all my life, I'd been taught that wealth is something sinful to want, right? Yet here was this church, and there were plenty of them that flaunted it shamelessly. You know, maybe it was the grief or my anger at God, or maybe it was the hypocrisy I felt from what I'd been taught to believe and seeing such stark contrast in that cathedral that day, but something didn't sit right with me. And it was this experience that led me to leaving my faith publicly with my parents, with my family when I got home. But the thing I've never talked about is how this experience also laid the foundation for how I thought about money. That maybe if the things I knew about God weren't all the way my truth, maybe all the things I knew about money weren't either. So that was 13 years ago now. But I think it's important to note as we start to unhook ourselves from money and form a different relationship with it, we can't overlook all the nooks and crannies of our lives and upbringings that hold beliefs around money. And for me, at least, religion held many. So it's taken years to give myself permission to want money, to even need money, to find a way to create harmony with it, and even to learn how to love it. But where things are today, Money, this thing that used to hold so much negative connotation for me, doesn't really hold a lot of connotation at all. And I want to dive in here for just a second because 
I've heard lots of spiritual perspectives on money over the years, like especially around the importance of moving from a toxic relationship with it to a healthy and loving one. And I think that there is so much truth in that. Okay. But I think the real power exists in money being the most important thing to your well being and for it to also not carry any merit at all. It's both and, of course, right? <laughs> so I want to share three big shifts that have helped a great deal that won't take you years and years of sorting through your money story to benefit from. And although I will always, always forever promote working through your layers, I also think that we can get stuck here. Analyzing and overanalyzing, rewriting, reclaiming all the things. And they are truly crucial to our overall integration. And they're not necessary to start taking action. Okay. So 2017 was a really big turning point for me with money, where I finally started putting money first in my business, which was no easy feat. <laughs> considering how charged it had been for me. But I think no matter how hooked you are with money now, these three shifts can help. So let's get started. In June of 2017, I led my first sold out Wild and Holy Weekend. The retreat itself was so beautiful and so incredibly special. Like I remember every single detail. I remember walking into the house the first time before everyone else arrived, just taking in that whole wall of windows that looked out onto the rolling hills to the way I felt my energy ground down as women arrived. I remember feeling my feet slowed down and in, almost like intentionally kissed the floor as I walked, like literally sending my energy down into the earth as I prepared to hold space that weekend. I remember hugging each woman when she arrived and showing her to her room. I remember sitting around the table that first night, listening to each woman's journey that had led her to this retreat. I remember Koya the next day and the tears that flowed because of it. I remember the meditation that morning that took us all somewhere deep and powerful and healing. It's probably one of my favorite meditations I've ever led. I remember the food, the glorious food, and the fire burning ceremony that night as we released some fears and also witnessed the new space it created for each of us to claim something different. I remember the pockets of conversations I had with the women who were there, the hugs, the thank yous, the friendship. And I also remember getting to the end of the weekend and entering into a gratitude and request ceremony, which was called a despacho ceremony, which is a Peruvian custom, where we all went around and shared things we were grateful for and the things that we wished to call in as we made our way back to our lives. And I'll never forget that as it got to be my turn, instead of sharing my gratitude from a personal place, I remember looking around that room at each of the women who'd been brave enough to join me. And even at myself, who'd been brave enough to create the invitation in the first place. And I realized that this retreat, although I might have been the one who had rented the house and facilitated our experience, 
it was really just me following what wild and holy wanted to be. And it was almost as if in a split second, I realized that I had had some things wrong. You know, I think many of us can relate spending years working to arrive at our purpose, right? To know deeply how that's supposed to manifest in the world. So we know what we're supposed to be doing with our lives, right? And for me, ever since I'd found it, it almost seems like I was so wrapped up in me, my purpose, my success, my impact. But in this particular moment, I realized that it wasn't about my purpose being in service to me. It was me being in service to it, to do what it was asking of me, to be the leader my dreams needed me to be. So as I expressed my gratitudes that day, I shared what Wild and Holy was grateful for. And it was the first time I'd ever fully like distinguished myself from my business. You know, up until this point, they had been so intertwined. And as I made my request and hopes for what I wish to call in leaving that retreat, I made those asks for what I hoped Wild and Holy would grow into, the impact that it would have in the world. And just like that, it was like something shifted. And from that day forward, I began asking, what does Wild and Holy need from me today to serve its purpose in the world? And there's just something about it that creates a different feeling around what's needed for me. And the cool thing about this, as it's related to money, is that I realized Wild and Holy doesn't have any twisted up emotions about it. It simply needs it to continue serving its mission in the world. And just like this shift helped me detach from my business, it also helped me detach a bit more from money too. So for, for the first time, I saw money as something that didn't need to be right or wrong, good or bad. It was simply a part of doing business, like a necessity even. And money started to become like air my business breathed, right? And why wouldn't I want to breathe more life into my business? So I want you to see if that's helpful for you. What does your business need from you today to serve its impact in the world? And I would bet that the answer will lead you to the next right steps to breathe more air into your business, okay? The second thing I want to offer you today is this, and this is where enoughness work comes in. You know, selling out my first retreat, well, that's not the whole truth. <laughs> this was the first retreat I had sold out, but it was not my first retreat. My first retreat that I ever launched was two years earlier than this, which I ended up having to cancel because there wasn't enough interest, okay? That's another story that I'll get into different episode. But back to this retreat. It was my first time selling out a retreat. But the thing is, is this, I knew that this was going to sell out before I even started selling it. How did I know that? Because something was different within me. No longer did I doubt if I had something worth sharing with the world. No longer did I doubt if I was someone others wanted to learn from. No longer did I doubt if the price was too high. 
The price is always too high for someone, by the way. I just knew it was going to sell, but more importantly, I was ready to be someone who sold out. I was fully ready to receive it. Let me back up for just a second. The year before, in 2016, I had learned all kinds of lessons around receiving. I had received $459,000 that I had not earned. Some of that came through a bank loan to purchase our home. Some of it came through my aunt's estate who had died earlier that year, money I had never expected. Some of it came through a small gift from my parents, also that I did not expect. Some of it came through a new bonus that my husband received at his job. This was also the same year I became a mom, which is a gift that can carry no price tag. None of this money, however, had come from my business. And let me tell you, friends, there was so much shame around that. There were so many feelings around receiving this level of money and support that I had done nothing personally, personally in air quotes, to earn, okay? Which if you're listening to this, <laughs> I hope you already know what I'm gonna tell you about this. That earning or deserving is far more than work and compensation for said work, okay? But that's another podcast episode on the ins and outs of receiving, which we will totally dive into, okay? Yet, because of the vulnerability I had moved through to receive things based on things other than work, I had opened up a new definition for myself around worthiness, okay? That receiving wasn't just about what you did, but also who you are. You feeling me? So when I went into selling Ron Holy Weekend, there was an assuredness about the outcome. I was deeply grounded in the types of women I wanted to be at that retreat. I wasn't hesitant on inviting people into this experience with me. I saw it as a party that everyone would want to be a part of. As in like, who wouldn't want to come to such a special retreat? And it was here that I started to learn the difference between conviction, which is being deeply confident in the value of your offering, and convincing the need to prove we're someone worth investing in, okay? Conviction acts like gravity, pulling the right people towards you. But here's the catch. Convincing will still pull people towards you, but those people will have a high expectation on what you should be able to deliver which tends to lead on pressure to perform, perfect, prove all those things that make us hustle, okay? And these will not lead to the best clients, nor will they lead to the best experience for you as the facilitator, for whatever you're facilitating, whether that's a retreat, a group program, whatever it is. So conviction for me is deeply related to embodiment which is the process of stepping into the energy of the next version of you, the version of you you've been waiting to become. If you're loving all this talk about money and especially about shifting into a more empowered relationship with it, 
I would love to invite you to check out Wild and Holy Money Love, a four-week transformational course to help you drastically shift the way you feel about money. Whether you want to make more or steward what you're making better, it all starts with more money love. I'm bringing the most powerful exercises that go far beyond just money mindset and affirmations. I'm helping money feel the way you want it to feel, where money shows up for you in abundance and becomes the biggest supporter of your wildest dreams. Join me for four weeks of transformation that won't just help you more deeply love money, but more importantly, help money more deeply love you. This is Wild and Holy Money Love. Find out more at wildandholymoney.com. I'll see you there. Now, back to our episode. For two years, I had been admiring others who seemed to just easily sell out their offerings, right? And maybe it wasn't that easy, but it sure looked that way on social media, damn it. And I wanted that too. I wanted to easily sell out my offers, to have a list of clients who couldn't wait to work with me, who eagerly invested in learning from me and trusting their own wisdom. And as I held the car open for Wild and Holy Weekend, I realized that it isn't the sold out offering that takes us to that next level. It's us being willing to embody that next level that sells out our offerings. Now, before we go to woo here and gloss over the business stuff, I want you to hear loud and clear that sales is not just about embodiment, okay? It's about pricing, messaging, marketing, clarity on value, clarity on who an offering is for, offering structure, timing. There are many, many, many things that go into this, okay? But I also want you to hear loud and clear that you can have all these other elements nailed down tight. And if you don't have the embodiment piece, none of it matters. None of it. Because embodiment is so important. So I want to talk for just a second on how do you embody a sold out earner? Because I think that this is another way that we start putting money first in our business to start stepping into the earning role that our business needs to bring more air and oxygen into it. Okay. And I think the easiest way to hack embodiment, which those two words together, just like, what? <laughs> but if we can hack embodiment, it's this, it's to think the way this prior version of you would. Okay. So if your prior version of you routinely sells all offerings, how does she carry herself through sales conversations? What does she worry about? Does she worry? How does she cope with that worry? What does she focus on when, she, when she's in the sales process? How does she take care of herself to make sure she's showing up at her best? Okay. Starting to think, act, and believe the way our future self thinks, acts, and believes allows us to elevate our frequency. And do you know why this is so important from a sales perspective? Because when you're trying to convince someone else you're worth investing in, it isn't them you're trying to convince. It's yourself. I know. Conviction, on the other hand, means you've already arrived at the truth. That you aren't just someone others find value and meaning investing in. They can't wait to invest in you. They've probably put you on their vision board. Okay. Do you see the difference in mindset here? Do you see the difference in how you're viewing yourself? 
and holding yourself as such, this is the power of embodiment. So if you happen to be going into a sales conversation anytime soon, I want you to be mindful of grounding down into conviction versus convincing, okay? And if you need some help on that conviction part, let's talk because that is a big piece of what I help with along with business strategy that honors your energy, your zones of genius, and your heart, okay? The last thing that I wanna share with you is this. To put money first in your business, I think we have to also trust ourselves to manage it. And I can't speak for you, but I can say that I was hesitant of earning more for a long time because I didn't trust myself to manage more. Hell, I didn't even trust myself to manage well what I already had, okay? And so that's where I started. I got smart around how I manage my money. I got serious about creating a business budget and sticking to it. I got serious about paying off debt. I got serious about paying myself instead of reinvesting everything back into my business, which I did for years. I got serious about shifting the way I related to money, which I'll talk about in a future episode as we get into the five love languages of money. But the thing I want to hit home is this. If you think more money is the thing that's going to solve your money woes, that's not how it works. Unless you are living under the poverty line, most of us have our basic needs met. And if you in any way benefit from the systems of oppression that thread through this country, then you have even more of your basic needs met, okay? Just like I thought when I was little that more money would solve the arguments between my parents, I also thought if I just made more, I wouldn't have to worry about it, but that's not how money works, friends. Money loves mindfulness and it loves meaning, which is why the GBB goals method has been so powerful for me because it brings the mindfulness and meaning to our money in a very clear, actionable, and personal way while also grounding down into our values. If you haven't checked out that free masterclass, go get on it. You can find it at megan-hale.com GBB which stands for good, better, best, by the way. More money does not absolve us from having to do the real work of managing our money better. More money also does not absolve us from having to do the real work of unhooking ourselves from it. Because guess what? <laughs> Once you up-level your income, there's only more responsibility to maintain it. If you want to maintain the lifestyle that it affords you. Nothing special happens when you start making more money, okay? But something special does happen when you start getting serious about managing your money in a way that supports your values, because this is where the healing happens. We will always have a means that we need to live within, okay? And this goes for everybody, even Oprah, okay? Oprah still has means. They might be way faster than ours, but she still has her limits, right? Because money has limits while also being limitless, okay? So if you want to start creating a sense of safety, that it's okay to make more money, start with where you are and stewarding the money you have now better. For this tip, I highly, highly recommend 
the GBB goals method masterclass because it helps you get your finances in order and clarify your money goals. This is the exact system that helped me double my revenue and pay off 30 K in debt in 10 months, all while paying myself more than I ever had working the least amount of hours I ever had. Okay. And if you want to go a level deeper, I also recommend profit first, which is a book also a system that I have modified to fit with GBB goals to give you a business budget for expenses, investments, taxes, and savings. And I love this book so much, you guys, so much in fact that it will be required reading for my next group program and also will be a required commitment to practice and implement during our time working together. Like it's that good and foundational, okay? So, I would love to hear from you. Which one of these was the most helpful in starting to put money first in your business, starting to unhook from money and laying the foundation to create a different relationship with it? I would love for you to leave a quick review on the podcast and let me know what you're loving so far. It is so incredibly helpful in getting the word out about the podcast and it takes literally two seconds to write a sentence or two and give me some stars. So I would appreciate you so much for doing that. And also, if money is something you need to start putting first in your business while also remaining unhooked from it, I really want you to join me at Wild and Holy Weekend, Money, Mindset, and Momentum Retreat. It's happening April 11th through 14th. Not only are we going to be diving into your money mindset, but we're going to be creating a personalized business strategy to help you create momentum. And the thing that I love most about this retreat is that it's intimate. It's only six women because I really wanted the space and time to dive deep into your business and create a strategy that honors your energy, your zones of genius, and your heart to create deep alignment that you can implement moving forward. I do not believe in this one size fits all for business. I think we really need to ground down into what is true and unique for us in order to start creating the momentum we want. So if this sounds like you, then I would love for you to come join us. There are a few spots left and this is probably going to be my last Texas Hill Country retreat for the foreseeable future because I'm moving to Omaha, Nebraska in a couple months. And you just keep on saying that because it's starting to sound more normal and less foreign <laughs> the more I say it. But you might be thinking like, what's so great about the Texas Hill Country? And in one word, you guys, it's magic. Like we'll be in my favorite Texas town with tacos, live music, two beautiful emerald rivers, like literally a quarter mile away, boutiques, antiques, wine, margaritas, excursions, like all mixed in with business strategy because I think the best work gets done when it's unrushed, when it's intentional, and when it's blended with fun, self-care, friendship, ease. So you can find out all you need to know at wildandholyweekend.com. Go and check it out. If you want to talk with me first to make sure that you're in the right space to invest in that, please set up a, a call with me so we can talk about that because I am all about you making smart investments and really discerning what you need when, because I think that's just a good CEO strategy. So feel free to reach out to me. And until then, friends, here's to the courage to show up whole heart, full self, all in. We got this. 